Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in the heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember that I am with you always to the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. That's how the Gospel of Matthew ends, with that passage that we just heard read. The action here takes place shortly after Easter morning, where in Matthew's version of the story, the women showed up at the empty tomb and were told by the angel that Jesus would meet his disciples in Galilee. So that's where they are now, back in home territory, back in the place where Jesus first called them to leave their nets by the shore, back where they learned what it felt like to walk in his footsteps. Luke's gospel and John's gospel are full of resurrection appearances, moments where Jesus showed up to his disciples in the days and weeks following Easter. But in Matthew, this is it. This is all the disciples get before the book comes to a close. A moment with Jesus on the mountaintop, a few precious words, and then the rest of their lives before them. So it's not too surprising that this is a dense and rich passage of scripture, and there are any number of places we might focus our attention today. We could look at that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit language, of course. It's Trinity Sunday, after all, a day when the church's confession of God as three interrelated persons takes center stage. We could talk about where that idea comes from or what difference it makes for thinking about our lives. Or we could look at that interesting description of the gathered disciples as both worshiping and doubting, and at how Jesus doesn't seem particularly bothered by this mix. Or we could look at what Jesus tells his followers to do, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That great commission, as it's often referred to, would have plenty for us to think about. There are any number of things we might focus on in this passage. But this morning I find myself drawn to Jesus's very last words here. His last words to the disciples, his last words in the Gospel of Matthew. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. On the one hand, this is a pretty simple statement in the context of the story. Jesus's disciples have been through a lot in these past days. The shock of losing their teacher and friend to a brutal state-sponsored execution. The grief and the silence that followed. The sheer wonder of the report from the women on Easter morning. And now the joy and the mystery of seeing Jesus with them one more time. They've been through a lot, and as they face the uncertainty of the future, Jesus promises to be with them. As they leave the familiarity of Galilee, because he sends them out to all nations, now, not just to the villages where they grew up, Jesus will be beside them. It's a promise to the disciples and one that we hear as a promise to us as well. Jesus is with us always. Simple enough, 
right? But I want to wonder about that little word with this morning. What exactly do we hear there? Somehow that question has new urgency for me in this particular time we're in right now. Following the murder of George Floyd, an unarmed black man by police officers in Minneapolis nearly two weeks ago, protests and uprisings have been taking place all over the United States, not only in that city, and in many other places besides. In my country and in my home city, George Floyd's murder has brought to the surface deep anger and hurt resulting from generations of oppression and white supremacy. In other places, protesters have found common cause in their own experiences of anti-black racism and police brutality. We are in this moment of serious moral reckoning right now. And I'm wondering how we might hear Jesus' promise to be with us in the middle of it. I'll confess to you that most of the time when I think of that promise, I find comfort there. Comfort that I'm not alone, that I'm in Jesus' company, that though I might feel lost lots of the time, I'll find my way because Jesus is with me. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We have needed comfort and reassurance of Jesus' steady presence with us these past months through the experience of the pandemic, this confinement to our homes and disruption of routine and worry for loved ones and isolation from community. It's a promise to cling to, a source of hope in uncertain and disorienting time. But these days, I am seeing anew that comfort can't be all that we find in Jesus's presence. For those of us in positions of privilege, comfort is part of the problem, actually. White people in my community have long been plenty comfortable within systems designed to work well for them. While those in the same systems, while those same systems have served to marginalize and oppress people of color, the Jesus that I know wouldn't leave people content and comfortable in a system like that. He would preach and argue and overturn. He would challenge and unsettle. It is not always comfortable to have Jesus with you. Just ask the disciples. The very last parable he told them, in fact, just before the Lord's Supper in Matthew, is an uncomfortable one. And it's all about where Jesus is to be found in the world. The scene is a great throne room with Jesus seated in glory and in judgment over all people. He sets one group aside and praises them because, he says, they fed him when he was hungry and they gave him something to drink when he was thirsty. And they took him in as a stranger and clothed him when he was naked and took care of him when he was sick and visited him when he was imprisoned. The people in this group are a little confused by all of this and they ask, when did we do any of that? We don't remember doing any of those things for you. And Jesus responds, truly I tell you, as you did it, just as you did it to the least of those who are members of my family, you did it to me. Now, most of the time, I don't think I understand Jesus' parables very well. There are multiple possibilities, different layers of meaning, different angles to wonder about. But this one seems about as clear as they come. You want to know where Jesus is to be found? 
in those who are hungry or thirsty or displaced from their homes or poor or sick or incarcerated or suffocated by injustice. In the words of New Testament professor Matt Skinner, Christ is always present around us, calling to me from among the other. I am with you always, Jesus says to his disciples, not a week after telling this very parable. I don't know about you, but when I hear that promise today, I hear much more than just comfort. I also hear a word of judgment and an invitation. How will I, how will we, respond to the Christ who is with us? Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Minneapolis is located just blocks from where George Floyd was murdered. It's been right at the middle of the action these past couple of weeks. And for those of us watching from afar, it's been a profound example of what it looks like to tend to the presence of Christ in others. Understandably, the neighborhood around the church has been at the center of the protests. Windows have been broken, buildings have been burned, graffiti is everywhere. And you could imagine a church in a situation like this, simply boarding up and keeping a low profile, seeking safety and comfort, hoping to weather the storm. But the members of Holy Trinity have taken a very different approach, choosing to show up and to still be present in their community. Early in the demonstrations, they found themselves becoming a host site for a first aid station, offering basic medical care to protesters who'd been injured by rubber bullets and tear gas. They opened their doors as a sort of sanctuary for people to rest and pray and process all they've experienced. They started collecting food and hygiene items to distribute free of charge to neighbors. And the church, and pretty soon the church basement looked like a well-stocked grocery store with all these donations that have come in. This is just the beginning, of course. There's lots more listening that will need to happen in the weeks and months and years to come. Lots more advocating for change, lots more protesting and standing up for just policies and imagining new ways forward. But it starts here, with listening to the cries of others, with not turning away, with being open to the discomfort, with hearing them as making a claim on us. I am with you always, Jesus says to the disciples. Don't get me wrong, I think this promise is one of the greatest sources of hope that we have, one of the greatest assurances that there is in life. But I do hope we hear more than just comfort there today. I hope we hear a call to look and to listen for Jesus where he promises to be found, among the hungry, the displaced, the discarded, the oppressed among those discriminated against and those crying out for justice, whether in our home communities or here in Geneva. We honor this Jesus, not by holding up and staying safe and comfortable, but by leaning into the discomfort, by listening well and responding with our lives. Jesus is with us, friends. How will we respond? Amen.